Hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try it for free at logrocket.com today. My name is Paul, and joined with us is Bjorn Liu. He is an Astro Core resident and on the Svelte and Vite Core team. What a run-up. He's here to talk about the recent release of Vite 5, and boy, is that exciting. Vite has such increasing reach in the amount of projects it's touching, so very excited to have you on, Bjorn. Very excited to talk about some of the big changes that have come. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Paul, for organizing this. It's exciting to talk about Vite 5 thing. Yeah, it's a huge release, so I think, yeah, a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. And before we talk about the specifics and what's changing. Let's talk about Webpack a little bit. And just for people who are you know, not familiar with what we're getting into, in short, what is Vite and how is it different from the other contender out in the space today? So Vite today is, is like Webpack. They are the bundlers that help you process your JavaScript, your CSS, your assets into a proper app that you can publish. So the difference between Vite and Webpack today is that Vite embraces the, like the modern standards and ESM so that it provides a faster development experience and so quicker response time when you update files. So overall, they're the same thing, but just using modern technologies. And yeah, that's one of the main selling points. And of, of course, not to mention the performance. How did you get involved yourself in the V project? I got myself into V a long time ago. I think like everyone else, I was also a user of V. And in my past company, I'm pushing V into it. And the more I work on V to move into my company's project, the more like issues I find, some small nits. And then I started to fix it, like sending issues, pull requests. And those kind of small things pile up over time. So my work, I started to understand more about how Vite works. And sooner or later, I take more responsibility over Vite and become a maintainer. And that's how I got rolling. I think everyone might have the same experience on the team as well. Just over time, you wouldn't know it. Right. When you started using Vite for the first time, or I guess when you learned the mental model of how it is different and how it doesn't pre-bundle everything, did it feel like a no-brainer? in terms of the direction that these bundlers should be headed. Definitely, yeah. The first time I see how feed works and also like its predecessor, the Snowpack. I think the new way it does thing just clicks with me on the spot. It feels it makes sense of why are we doing the previous ways like bundling all at once before we even see our apps. So Vite 4 has been around for I don't want to say a really long time, but there's been quite a few projects tooled with Vite 4 and people have gotten familiar with Vite 4. So we're going to be talking about Vite 5 and there are some differences between Vite 4 and Vite 5. So before we get into nits and and, and details and stuff, broadly, what excites you? What excites the community that you maybe want to reflect about the improvements and like shiny features in terms of the move from Vite 4 to Vite 5? Yeah. For V4 and V5, I think we try to keep not too many breaking changes because 
over time, I think between V4 and V5, our ecosystem blew up a lot. I think recently we have Remix started using V and Angular as well, which is which are <laughs> huge projects. So in V5, what we do is we try to fix some long-standing issues, like issues where we have to break things to fix it, but we couldn't really do it in the past. So we have, we hold it for quite a long time, and so now's the time we finish breaking all, everything we can to avoid another breaking change. Just as mentioned, that the ecosystem huge try to avoid changes too much. And besides like polishing things up, I think there's a few like deprecated stuff and some just some small old stuff from V4 that are deprecated and just remove it, just have a clean new API like before. So would you say that this has been more of a cleaning set of changes in terms of, oh, these deprecated APIs that were marked as deprecated, they're no longer versus net new features that you've added. Yeah, it's more of cleaning and polishing thing. There's also the deprecation. I think I should mention, we started to deprecate CGS from the node API. So that's like a big thing in V5, I think, where if you use V, like if you imp- it require V and CGS, they will now emit a warning there's also another same point, just us slowly pushing the web forward to use ESM and embrace it. And yeah, I think we're working towards there. Because Vite is the king of speed, are there any like speed-related improvements from V4 to V5? There, there's actually one I worked before. If you update files that is dependent by a bunch of other files, in the past, it would just re-transform all that files which sometimes you don't really need to because you just only update that one file, right? So I actually work on some fixes so that it reverts to just transforming that one file. So that's like one of the performance improvements. And I wouldn't say there's a lot. There's certainly like other small PRs that improve things over time. The main work we have done as well for performance is in V4.3, where we also have a big post about all the performance improvements there. So it is a priority and I'm constantly looking for performance fixes. But yeah, V5 should have some, but it I wouldn't say it's like the main focus so far. Gotcha. So on the tooling side, there in, in a blog post there was mentioned or in the release notes that there is PNPM create V. That's like a thing now that people can do to scaffold a project. So how long has that kind of been asked for in the community? Or did you guys just come out with it? I think it existed in the very, very early days because we needed v, we needed people to use starting V because no one ever heard of V before. So we have the scaffolding tool so we can just quickly spin up V. So I think it's been there for quite a while. And it is most important for issue reproductions. But if anyone has issues, you can just spin up scaffold uh, a small app but yeah it's yeah it's pretty cool when it works it also supports scaffolding like other apps like nuts or survival kit from these own scaffolding too so it includes quite a lot inside are there any new scaffold templates that have been added that people might want to know about in v5 i think it's the same as before but in between v4 and 5 there's new templates i think from solid js and quake so we've partnered with them in the ecosystem and they have been helpful giving feedback via V. So this is a way that we try to incorporate. And yeah, now they also have the templates inside which you can use today. 
Awesome. If we're talking about internals now a little bit, we're going to take a view into the microscope. There's a combination of ES build and roll up. Just for my own information, do those kind of like work at the same level in the role they play? Yeah. So V8 contains a bunch of other tools, including ESB and Rollup. Currently, they have different roles. ESB is used for transforming like TypeScript to JavaScript or JSX, TSX, or the older stuff. It also powers the pre-bundling. If you have node modules, you don't exactly want to put all those files inside your browser because there's a lot of files. So this is what ESB does. And there's also Rollup, which does on the build side. So once you finish with your app, you can run build those. It will start the entire rollup um, build from start to finish. So those are two different responsibilities. And V just hooks everything up to do each of their own thing. One of the major migrations that's happened that I do know about is choosing to go with rollup version 4, correct? Yeah. Rollup 4 is... I think one of the biggest ones as well for V5. Although Rollup 4, it reduces as not quite big of breaking change, so hopefully it doesn't affect too many people. But it is something unexpected while you were on V5 because we know that there's a major coming for Rollup, but we don't really know when it's coming out. But suddenly in VConf, I think recently Rollup 4 just got released while Lucas was making a talk. And from there on, we just put in V5 because yes, why not just giving the major. So yeah. So that was not a really like difficult migration because of not a lot of breaking changes. Or I guess a follow-up question to that also is why did the team choose to do Rollup 4 right now? Was it just a good commingling of the major upgrade versions of your team and the Rollup team? Yeah, so in Rollup 4, it's actually not as painful as expected. I think there's some tests that we have to tweak, but it's kind of plug-and-play situation. So once we upgrade a Rollup 4 for V, every ecosystem that upgrades V as well doesn't have too much of the pain point from what I've seen so far. So yeah, we brought over some of the fixes from Lura, but I think overall it's not as hard as expected, which is great. Glad to hear that. Don't want to be slaving away on something... That's unexpectedly too hard. It's the best one, yeah. I want to get into some of the deprecated APIs as well, because you mentioned the CJS loading getting deprecated. Right before I do that, just want to remind our listeners that this podcast is brought to you by LogRocket. So if you're building a web application, you want to find surface issues faster. You want to find trends that you didn't notice before, heat maps, full session replay, head over to LogRocket.com. You can try it for free. And you can spend more time building your product and less time debugging it in the console. So for people building with V, they have some changes they do need to be aware of, Bjorn. And you mentioned the CJS modules getting deprecated. If we just look at that briefly in particular, what do you think are some of the types of projects or biggest like red flags that you would raise about that? What are the implications that you feel like this will have. You mentioned wanting to just push people in general to embrace ES modules. Would you say that's the flagship takeaway for that? Yeah, for me, that's the main point to just push SM4 because CJS has been stuck for quite a while. And then we've been mixing both of those for quite a while. And it's been very painful to get those working. And also, you have to maintain like a special 
workflow to get CGS working. So it's a small maintenance burden on our part to keep CGS working. So in V5, we figured initially to just toss it away, but then over time we discussed and then that's a bit too quick. We, could, we couldn't just toss it away. So we did a middle ground to emit a warning if we use it today. And luckily a community member, Ben McCann, has been working all those ecosystems using V to make sure they are not hitting the warnings. So if you're using V through the framework today, hopefully you shouldn't be seeing those kind of warnings. It should be all fixed today. And yeah, the ecosystem should be ready for ESM when we release the next major. Gotcha. So right now there's a warning. Pay attention to the warning. Yeah, <laughs> it's a warning and there's a guide. The guide should be complete so you can yeah fix it. What are some other polishing actions that you guys took in terms of deprecating APIs that are not true to the focus of V and the direction you're moving in? Yeah, there's a small few deprecations. I think one of the main ones probably going to bite uh, a bit more than usual is the CSS imports. So in the past, you can import CSS and then you get like a string of CSS. You can get do whatever you want. But now we require that you put a question mark in line when you import a CSS so that you can get that string. So just small things that we have to fix so that uh, we can properly bundle CSS. And there is also another CGS related deprecation we did for SSR. So in the past, like Meta Frameworks can output SSR bundle in CGS or ESM. But in V5, we kind of force everyone that you have to only export in ESM. The good thing is we did it deprecation in V4 and yeah, every ecosystem right now is ready and shouldn't be impacted by this, which is great. So I, I would, okay, we talked about CJS, we talked about the CSS one. I feel like that's also a big one that it's just like, it is small, but I know I would get confused <laughs> if you're not like reading the docs. Right? So I'm glad we, we mentioned that. Another transition I want to talk about is worker.plugins. So if you've been using plugins before in V4, the way you configure them is going to be different in V5, right? Yeah. So worker plugins is one of the change that we're reluctant to do it because if you have to use a function for the plugins, it's kind of weird. But then we decided it's the only safe way if you have multiple workers in your app or you have workers that depend on other workers and then you kind of have a loop and everything becomes very complicated. And we also want to bundle workers in parallel because otherwise if you do it one by one, it's going to be very slow. So that's the, the change that we have to do. So in a function form, you always get fresh set of plugins for the worker. And that way we can all do it. We can do the optimizations to get everything working as fast as before. Parallel worker builds. That's great. And the last specific one I want to throw at you is the server warm-up feature. I know we talked about speed for a quick second at the beginning of the podcast, but what is the server warm-up feature and how does that affect speed? Yeah, warm-up is also one of the more important parts of V5. Glad we're going to be talking about it. So warm-up, how it works is that, let's say you have a thousand modules in your app and you know that there are certain parts of the modules, maybe you have like utility files, you have component files, that kind of layouts, and you know that those are going to be loaded right away. But the browser has to discover those files after processing other files, right? So there's a waterfall before V5 
we knows that font's going to be used. So warm-up is a way to tell V that, okay, I'm going to use this files later, just that maybe you won't know about it until later, but I'll tell you about it now. And when V knows about it, it will start processing it. So by the time the browser knows about that it needs this file, it already has it in its cache. So everything's already cached. And yeah, page will be snappy as before. So this is one of the few things we did to try to improve uh, page load times, especially for larger apps, because larger apps tend to have slower page loads. I'm excited to see if this uh, new option works before, for everyone. So in V5, I'm happy to see it's being shipped. So the level that it tells the browser of what files are available is at the file level. It doesn't actually serialize the tokens within that file. Yeah, it will. Gotcha. It will. Yeah, it will know which files to anticipate, and then when it's when the browser wants to request it, it's already there in cache. So you mentioned you guys have been putting in a lot of effort to work with other frameworks and other ecosystems to expand the breadth and the reach of Vite. I'm curious, you know, of Angular, of Svelte, of Vue, which ones prompted the most pivotal conversations and debates to happen? That's a bit spicy. You know, I think <laughs> I think every framework has so far put some nice criticisms about some things we should fix, some SSR pain points, some configuration options are confusing. And it's great to see all those feedback from the ecosystem directly because those maintainers are in contact with us. And yeah, I think every framework so far has voiced their opinions about certain things fairly equal. And yeah, we also try to help out whenever they have questions about it. I wouldn't say that a certain framework has changed V quite a lot. I think everyone so far in the ecosystem is much appreciated so far. And I, I would love to ask you personally, um, because you're in this interesting position of working a lot at the core boilerplate fundamental level of a whole tech stack ecosystem, set of ecosystems that everybody's working on. You, you're, you have this good perspective of how things were done prior because it was just the way it was done in Webpack and this new paradigm of how things are being tooled in the present day. So from your perspective, Bjorn, what learnings have you taken away in terms of how did you clean code, how to do efficient code, or just general processes of how to structure projects that you didn't have before joining the Vite ecosystem and working on the Vite core project? I've definitely learned a lot, especially from Vite. The code base is quite huge, and there's like design decisions I've learned over time. I think one of the main one for me is that whenever you start a project, V has its own early days. The easiest way to get your ideas rolling is to not really care about uh, patterns in your code. Just write it out, just get it running. And once it's running, and when, <laughs> once people are using the code that you craftily wrote out of a whim, and once that's stabilized, you can then start refactoring and just making everything cleaner. And I think that works really well for my other projects as well. I get to ship stuff a lot more quicker than before. Because before I start, I always overthink about like certain patterns. And that's one of the main one. And also, I think the second point is that you shouldn't really try to change a lot of small things at once. I think it's good to scope what you want to do or want to fix and make sure those are relevant. If you're only fixing a certain syntax to another syntax that is 
not really different, but before but it looks slightly cleaner because it's like the new motor syntax that you want to use it. I think, yeah, you should try to avoid small things unless it's really worth it to prevent like bug, bugs from happening. And on kind of the contrarian point of view of takeaways, is there something that you've noticed in the general way of feedback that you've gotten from other projects, personal projects, just people submitting issues of uh, things you've noticed of how folks might structure projects that you're just like, why do so many people do this? This doesn't feel good. Are, are there any things like that that you've noticed? CJS might be one of those things where you're like, why are people still doing this? But I wonder if there's any others. So from my experience, I'm working in V and then looking at how other frameworks uh, do things these days. I think I, what I learned is that every structure each project has definitely has a reason that they exist that way. So if it looks weird for some reason, usually I come to first accept it that there's probably a good reason why they structure it this way. And then from there on, I start to understand what their flow is. And then at the end of the day, I think each structure they have is probably fine. It's not really an issue because every project has its own unique constraints. And I think over time, I'm a bit more accepting about all those weird patterns because I think everyone writes good code at the end of the day. I love the positivity. And that is a really good point that we have a lot of folks on this podcast that they hammer home this point of if it works for you, use it. Yeah. And, and don't clamor about anything else. It, it's definitely encouraging to hear that from you as well, Bjorn. If we're, we're coming to the end of the pod here. So if people wanted to themselves learn specifically about Beat 5, there's always the release notes. Some folks maybe don't want to re- read the release notes. So if that's the case, what other resources are out there that you can point folks to? I think the release note is kind of the only <laughs> way okay. you can get the most complete information. I, I don't think I saw like any blogs written about those, but we put a lot of time in the migration guide so that it's complete. And I hope people read those. Is the migration guide accessible from the release notes? Yeah. It's not like a separate... Okay, gotcha. They're, they're we have the change log that links to the migration guide and the migration guide that links back to the change log. So hopefully it's discoverable. Okay, awesome. And do you yourself post anywhere or blog, Bjorn? I have a site, a blog on my website, uh, bjornblue.com, but I've already written any blogs for more than a year. But in, if anywhere else, I think my thoughts and opinions are on Twitter lately, or X, that's the only place you can find me. And what's your handle, just so folks listening can hear it, and then we can put it in the show notes? Oh, yes. Uh, my handle is blueweuse, uh, B-L-U-W-Y-O-O, you can find me there. I try to share some findings from time to time. So around V, yeah, you can find some news there. Awesome. Bjorn, this has been an excellent time. And now there is another piece of content out there that isn't necessarily the release notes if people want a quick and dirty of of what's new in Beat 5. But it's been a pleasure having you on and look forward to having you on in the future to talk about the next major versions of Beat. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Okay.